And as always, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising and the beautiful game network, BGN. You can go to their websites to see more of their content at firebirdrising.coreair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, or at bgn.fm. And let's get to the show. Welcome to this emergency Drogba episode of the Rising is One podcast. There's really only one thing that we're going to be talking about today, but we're going to be looking at it from a few different angles, and that is Didier Drogba. After weeks of speculation, after weeks of rumors, he is finally, officially on Phoenix Rising. Glad to see that we finally got this deal worked out. Uh, Three weeks in the making, but... Uh, with everything going on, uh, not just necessarily on the field, but off the field as well. Uh, very important to get all that hammered out before uh, finally securing things yesterday. And I think we'd be remiss if we don't go through the whole timeline of how this deal went down. Because, as we've mentioned before, this was a three-week process. So the very first thing that broke was March 22nd, and it's a little-known reporter out of Minnesota, Andy Greeter. He's the first one to break this story, that Didier Drogba is believed to be close to signing a, a contract with Phoenix Rising, according to a source. So you see that story, there's a little bit of buzz, but a lot of people are very skeptical. Then your colleague, Odin, released a couple tweets, and do you want to get into that? Uh, you know, he kind of backed up what, what uh, the reporter in Minnesota had said, and, and he had mentioned that, that a deal had been struck, uh, you know, the tweet... Uh, Basically, was Didier Drogba offered two hundred and fifty thousand to join Phoenix Rising? Uh, could be could be done by Friday. Of course, this was back in the last you know this next to last week of March. So, you know, we were all a little skeptical at the time, but you know, as as we learn with most types of deals, they take a little bit of time to pan itself out. So, obviously time it took to finally secure all the elements because because you got to remember it's not just the it's not just the on the field that that we're focusing on here as well as we're also focusing on what kind of things he was going to do off the field as well right and so then the next round of news came out on the following week six days later march 28th and that's when in the morning there was a story from france football in french that Didier Drogba has a done deal here with Phoenix. And then you had a couple other American outlets running with that. So you had the New York Red Bulls blog taking that and saying they're very close. You had the Chelsea SB Nation blog running a story about uh, Drogba set to join his former teammate, Sean Wright Phillips, with Phoenix Rising. And then you had Odin with a couple more tweets, including this one nugget, which turned out to be true that he did turn down an offer from Corinthians um, to you know, potentially sign with Phoenix Rising. Now, as it later turned out, there was nothing super official, but the reason that the 28th was such an exciting day for Rising fans is there were two more tweets that were very important later that day. And do you want to take us through those 
two key tweets. Sure, the, sure. The first key tweet came from uh, Phoenix uh, Coyotes. I'm sorry, Arizona Coyotes goaltender Louis Deming, uh, who happened to throw up a picture of him and Didier Drogba. Uh, obviously, going back and looking at the tweet, it was taken in Montreal. You know, when when Louis was back there, spending some time family wise during the off season. Obviously, Drogba playing in Montreal at the time. So, why not get a picture with a legend? Who knew that seven or eight months later I'd be able to use that picture and kind of throw a little gasoline on the fire, so to say. You know, and then and then for Diplo to take that exact tweet and retweet and it. retweet it and throw a little bit more behind it made you actually really think something was going on. Now, who would have thought twenty four hours later that tweet's gone? So oh, it wasn't even twenty four hours. It was like two hours later. I, I'm sure that Diplo's PR person is like, hey, you really need to uh, get that off your Twitter. For all we know, it could have been David Rappaport telling him that, since David Rappaport does represent Diplo. Um, so then you have the following Monday, Drogba's agent says, you know what? I don't like some of the rumors that are coming out. There's been nothing official yet, so let's just get that clear and on the record. He said, I don't want to discount the possibility of anything but let's be clear, nothing official is on the record yet. And so then that, that as a rising fan, gives you a little bit of pause, a little bit of cause for concern. Not necessarily that this is not going to happen, but you're starting to get some doubts creeping in now. Yeah, you start thinking at that point, well, maybe this isn't really what you know, rising is looking for. But, you know, obviously... Like we've said a number of times, you know, there are obviously a lot of things to this deal, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but I think taking the time for, for dotting the I's and crossing the T's on everything that, that's involved with this was definitely, you know, that's where that opportunity to take that pause back was really, you know, really worth it at that point in time. Right. But as we all know now, I hope most of you guys know by now. Um, the thing that really made everyone 100% confident, even before the team released an official statement yesterday afternoon, was the New York Times article that came out yesterday morning that actually appeared in their April 12th edition, written by Rory Smith, and he actually wrote 12 or 13 paragraphs on it. And, you know, that was actually a pretty big amount of ink to be uh, spilling for Didier Drogba. So at that point... You see the New York Times reporting it, and you have to realize, like, wow, there's, it's only a matter of moments until the team does something, because the New York Times isn't going to break something like this, and then it's really not happening. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And then you get, you know, you not only get the New York Times article, you also get uh, Twitter out there with uh, one of the big soccer people uh, started tweeting it, and then BBC picks up on it. And then others start picking up on it. An announcement is imminent. Announcement is imminent. And of course, two thirty in the afternoon yesterday, we get the full we get the full and final announcement. Drogba is here. And credit to the team; they had clearly been planning this for some time, because they released the image with the Drogba with the Phoenix Rising crest as the O, which is a very cool look. And then moments later. They have a link to the 
uh, team store, and already they have Drogba t-shirts and Drogba jerseys available for purchase, which I'm sure a few people have already dropped money on, and I'm very tempted to get that t-shirt. But the team definitely had this choreographed and made it all happen at once. Yeah, they, they obviously had a plan, and, and, and with new ownership the way it is, you know, they, they have taken the time to put each step into play, whether it's been the official signing of, of transfer of ownership to the team, to putting, the, putting their stamp on the stadium, to getting the parking situations resolved, to getting this deal completely done. They're taking their time with every single step of the process of whatever they have done. And that's obviously a positive sign going forward. That's a really excellent point, that their PR has, from day one, been extremely professional. So now that we kind of gave you the timeline of how this whole deal finally went down, um, we can get into our instant reactions. And do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. I mean, obviously, it's very important to get a name such as Didier Drogba to not only be involved with the playing side of this of this club, but also going forward as, as a part owner of the expansion bid that, that will go forward at, at this point. Um, obviously, you have to look at Phoenix gaining stature now as far as the MLS process goes. You look at having names out there. I mean, nobody knows a lot of the names that are a part of the that are part of the ownership group. Yeah, obviously people will resonate with the name Diplo. They'll resonate with the name Keith Wentz. They'll resonate with the name of Didier Drogba. Or a Brandon a, McCarthy. Or a Brandon McCarthy. They don't know Burke Bakai. They don't know Tim Reister. They don't know Bobby Dooley. They don't they, they don't know the, the real behind the scenes players that are that are making uh, Phoenix Rising's MLS application that much stronger. I mean, obviously, one of the other stronger points with their application is is that they have the funding ready to go. They have shovels ready to go in place that they need to, to put a stadium in place. That's got to be something strong for, for Rising's bid as far as an MLS application. Now, let's look at what, what is Drogba's impact going to be on the field. Obviously, in the beginning, it's not going to be a lot because he's coming in four weeks into the season. He doesn't know a lot of the members of the squad, so it's going to take him some time to get to get accustomed to that. We don't expect to see him play this next match against Swope Park Rangers. We'll probably see him maybe make a make a, an appearance possibly in the Reno match, which would give him almost a month at that point to get used to the players on this club. So I think that's that, you know, will that help for the fan base? Obviously. Well it's gonna draw it's gonna draw more fans. I mean fans are already talking about are we gonna add more seats to the stadium? <laughs> I mean that that was one of the comments I saw on Facebook uh, yesterday afternoon and even into this morning. Are they gonna add more seats now that Drogba's coming? Who know who knows what, what Phoenix Rising can do being that they've done all this stuff in fifty days. Well, and I think that's a really good point. My instant reaction is that this was the perfect time to sign him because Rising has an off week this weekend. Then they have one game against Swope. Then they have another off week. So, And then they finally have two home games back-to-back against Reno on May 6th and Oklahoma City on the 13th. 
So with Drogba coming in now, he has a lot of time to assimilate to the team, to get familiar with the tactics, to build some chemistry, and at the same time, he's not missing too much game action. I think your timeline was very realistic that there's no way he plays on the 23rd. Maybe they do a halftime ceremony for him on that game. And then it also gives the organization time to say, okay, if we're planning on letting him debut on the 6th or 13th, now we have almost a month to add some temporary seating or to add some more standing room only space to increase the capacity. So not only does it give Drogba a lot of time to assimilate with his teammates, it also gives the organization some time to think about their options as far as potentially expanding the stadium capacity and exactly what they want to do as far as the rollout of welcoming him in as a franchise. Um, as far as what he's going to do on the field throughout the season and what his role is going to be with the team, I, it's a great question because we really don't know. Some people are saying he's going to knock someone out of the starting lineup. I've seen other people say, you know, he's almost 40. Personally, I would like to see him kind of eased in almost as a super sub and like certain weeks he can take a breather. But at the same time, Bravo's not a young spring chicken too. So if he's in need of a rest, then we can bring Drogba in as a starter. I would love to see him as a super sub for most matches who, if there's a really important USL match that's coming up or a really important US Open Cup match, then he can play the full 90. But obviously people are gonna disagree with me on that and we just really don't know and again this is why it's such a good time to bring him in now is because the whole coaching staff has a lot of time to see what his fitness level is at to see how he meshes with teammates and to evaluate all that yeah and like we said and like we've said i mean the release that, that phoenix rising put out basically said he's here to mentor the players so if, if if he's here in a mentoring role i don't know that we see a full amount of of starts for, for Drogba. I think I agree with you that we do see him a lot as a super sub. And that occasional one-off starting role. You know, there, there are going to be weeks where they're going to play two games in a week. There's there, there's a couple of times where that's going to happen. They're going to need somebody like a Drogba. Especially in, a... in the late part of the season, there are a lot of uh, two-game weeks in September and early October when that playoff chase becomes so important. And if we're jockeying for those playoff positions, having a guy like Drogba who you can bring on as a super sub or bring on to start the full 90, who is instantly our best player in the air and on set pieces, it's such a valuable weapon on the field. To say nothing of what he does to galvanize the fan support as far as uh, sales and merchandise and all that. Exactly. So let's talk about let's talk about where this puts uh, rising as far as the MLS applications go. We all thought going in that, that Phoenix Rising was probably going to sit middle of the pack, you know, with, with their application. Obviously, they came in so late in the process, so that kind of that kind of put Rising in that position. Where does Drogba's signing and his mention that he is now part of the ownership group, where does that put them now in, in, this, in this process? Does this move them up into a top three, top four kind of position? It might. I mean, obviously, St. Louis has, has found its way out of the out of the running because they were one of the top teams. 
they would have been in if that if that measure was passed. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about it. You know, I still think Sacramento. I still think Sacramento sits on top right now. I think San Diego has a viable chance, but then again, San Diego's trying to put a ballot measure, you know, on for, for that new stadium if they try to get that built where the old Qualcomm was was sitting. So obviously, San Diego is in a questionable position right now. Uh, you got to look at somebody like a Cincinnati, who's a, who's a, a possible strong candidate. Tampa. Tampa is a very strong candidate. San Antonio is a very strong candidate. So I mean, here's what I here's why I do think Phoenix is now a top four, and why I think it would be stunning at this point if if the league is serious about expanding to twenty eight. Why we would not be one of the cities added. A lot of the other applications have one of two pieces. They either have an ownership group that's willing to uh, privately fund a new stadium, or they have a big face of the uh, expansion movement, but they're still asking for public money. A lot of them only have one of the two in place right now. They either have a decent ownership group but no land to build on, or they have land but they need public money. There's something missing in their pitch. Well, Phoenix Rising at this point, they have the land because Burke Bakai and that ownership group bought 45 acres, which is plenty of space to build a really nice 25,000 seat stadium with an academy and everything that they want to do. We have the big face now. Now that Drogba is in on this group and he's going to be a part of the ownership, I think that's why the equity stake was so crucial for him coming out here uh, and I think that's something that other teams should uh, follow in our footsteps with. So we have the land, we have the ownership group that's committed to doing this with private funding, and we have the big splashy name, kind of like a Landon Donovan in San Diego or a David Beckham in Miami. We have all three of those elements. And I don't think there are very many other expansion bids right now that can say they have all of those pieces in place. And then when you combine that with the fact that we're one of the biggest markets, we're the biggest market that doesn't have an MLS team right now, the fact that we have such a huge Latino population, the fact that there's also a large millennial population. Now, do I think we're going to be one of the first one or two teams in? Probably not, because as you were saying before, Sacramento has really been on the doorstep for a lot longer than us. Um, Tampa and St. Louis and even Cincinnati, if they can get public funding have already proven that they are willing to support a team for a longer amount of time, so they might get first priority. And then San Diego, you definitely want to take advantage of that market being jilted by the NFL. But we have all the elements in place. And I don't, plus the fact that there's no MLS team within 350 square miles of us in any direction, it would be a really bad wasted opportunity from Don Garber's perspective, in my opinion, to not choose us as one of the four or five teams to come in. Yeah, and why you would not put a, you know put Phoenix on the landscape with L.A. being so close and you're going to have the L.A. Galaxy and, and LAFC when they get ready to get in in a couple of years. Next year. You'll, you'll, have, you'll have Salt Lake City right near us. You'll have Colorado right near us. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the opportunities are, are there and abounding to have this market – you know, be a be be a nice little regional uh, uh, setup for for those clubs. 
And I think what the Drogba signing does is just on a national level, it kind of shows a lot of people in the Detroits, in the New York cities, in the Tampa, Florida's, wow, this Phoenix group is serious. They're serious enough that they got a big name. They got a huge story in the New York Times. They really mean business. And so it's kind of a challenge to other groups and other bids to really try and compete with us. But I think what this does, I mean, at a local level, and I think a lot of the hardcore rising supporters already knew that this ownership group means business, but it really gets the word out to a larger, broader audience that we really strongly intend to get to MLS. I think it'll be interesting in the next couple of months to see where uh, Major League Commissioner Don Garber sits on all this information. They've been very coy this whole entire time about you know, not wanting to play favorites uh, amongst this group of, of uh, expansion applicants. Um, obviously, I think at some point soon they're going to have to come out and start saying, you know, we, we tend to like these sorts of groups. I think they're going to have to do that. But, you know, time will tell. You know, the, the, the timeline that was originally given to us was that the end of the year that they would have named the first two of the four teams that they wanted to be part of this expansion set. And with this Miami bid now being up in the air, with them now for sure is not coming in in 2018 as was the original plan, now you're not even sure if there's going to be a Miami team, and that could open up another spot. Yeah, it could very well open up another spot. So. so here's a question, and I'll answer it too, but I would love to get your feedback first. Where would you have put Rising's chances of getting into MLS before the Drogba signing and now after the Drogba signing? If I were to say before the Drogba signing, I would say I would have put it kind of in the middle. I would have put it 50-50. Um, just, just on the basis of, you know, Garber doesn't quite know this group, doesn't know what their intentions, their goals, their their plans were. I think now as you see Drogba being signed and put into place, obviously it's a name. Obviously it's somebody well-known. I think it increases their chances. Do I still think they're on the edge? Yeah, I still think they're on the edge of, of being that team that could be in or out just because of the lateness of, of, of their, their inclusion you know, in the application process. But I think Drogba helps. Top four, maybe, maybe. They might be that they might be in that four or five range right now. So And you would have put them around six or seven before? I probably would have put them six or seven before. Okay. That's interesting. I would have put them before the Drogba signing, kinda like you, like right around fifty fifty, because you have to assume until proven otherwise that Sacramento gets in. You have to assume until proven otherwise that Miami is going to get a team. Now, there's a lot of doubt surrounding that, but until proven otherwise, we have to assume that with the name like Beckham, which leaves three open spots. And you would probably assume that two of those are going to go to Eastern Conference teams. In my mind, I was thinking it's going to come down to San Diego or Phoenix. But... With Miami maybe not being a thing, perhaps that opens up space for San Diego and Phoenix to get in. 
Now with the Drogba signing, adding that third element, adding the big name to an ownership group that has the private funding uh, and has the land, plus it shows everyone we really intend this, we're really taking this seriously, I would say our odds are probably around 70%. That's where I feel right now. Not a slam dunk by any means, and a lot can change, and it's very important for us as fans to keep attending games in great numbers to show Don Garber that we can support a team because that's that's been another big criticism I've seen on Reddit, on other places. Can Phoenix support an MLS team? There's a lot of people that say Phoenix isn't a great sports town. My answer to that is when there's been good ownership and a decent on-field product, Phoenix has been a decent sports town with all the teams, really. When the Diamondbacks were good in the late 90s, early 2000s, they were getting almost 35000 a year. When the Coyotes were in Phoenix and middle of the pack, they were drawing near the middle of the pack. When the Suns had Steve Nash and Colangelo, they were they had a 153-game sellout streak, and the Cardinals have sold out every game since they moved to Glendale. So can we support a team? Yes, but will we? I mean, it's really up to you guys. And that, and and this is where the 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 you know it's it's gonna be the pavement's gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna hit a point here where if people are gonna show, this is the time to show now. You got you got big names sitting right in front of you. You know you've got now you have Drogba now you have Omar Bravo now you have Sean Wright Phillips now you have Alessandro Rigi. You've got well-known MLS talent, well-known world talent playing on this team. If you can't support a team at this point, I don't think you're going to support a team ever. So, you know, I think this is this is now the point where we see where where the rubber people, meets the road. The rubber meets the road. So. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this emergency podcast. If you have any more questions, suggestions, concerns, please reach us on Twitter at Rising Pod, on Facebook at Rising Podcast. You can also reach us at risingpod at gmail.com. And, you know, feel free because we are going to be, I'm going to be talking with um, Chad Smith to preview the Swope Park Rangers Phoenix Rising match for the 23rd on Sunday. But if I see any really good questions or concerns or thoughts about this Drogba signing, I will definitely try to address those with him uh, when we release that podcast on Sunday. So thank you for your time. Hope you guys appreciated this. And uh, have a great day, everybody.